Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God and Independent RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Uh, I am back from Vegas, and I'd like to talk to you all very seriously on a very special episode about recognizing the signs of heat exhaustion. Now, if you find yourself sweating, even though it is like uh, in American degrees, 115, you might have a problem, and you should probably find some shade very quickly. And uh, you're an idiot for even going out to look for weed in the first place in Vegas. G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> also yes. joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. Hi, folks. My name is Eric. I'd like to talk to you about a very serious issue called heat exhaustion. Now, if you're trying to, say, get healthy and go for a walk, and it is 106 degrees outside, and you think, I haven't had water today, but that'll be fine. It's not fine. You're going to have problems later. You're going to pay for those actions. Learn from my mistakes, children. Once again, we learned that Texas is a monument to man's arrogance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this place is a monument to man's arrogance. This should not exist. <laughs> And finally, special guest, friend of the pod, and co-host of Normandy FM, it's Kenneth Shepard. Hello, my only contribution to the heat exhaustion discussion is that uh, a high electric bill from running your AC costs less than a hospital bill. So, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unless you live in Canada, then you just go to the hospital. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so true. I'm gonna, so I'll risk the heat you exhaustion, those, thanks. You get those free passes, those free hospital passes they the just distribute. Passes. Yeah, yeah. I brought Ken on the show today because we're going to be talking about Baldur's Gate 3, sharing our initial impressions after the launch. We'll be doing a deeper dive later on. It'll be fun once we've actually really had a time to kind of grok this game, get into it. But these are our initial thoughts now that Baldur's Gate 3 is available to everybody, the full launch version. It's been in early access for quite a while We'll be getting to that discussion in just a little bit. But first, uh, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMoosey. Ken, remind me of your Twitter and, I guess, X handle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shepard CDR. Excellent. Ken, tell me. On the the better site. Ken, tell me about your exes. Tell me about your exes. <laughs> well, there was this one guy. Let's all talk about <laughs> our exes right out, now. He, as soon as we found out I was doing good, he came back. <laughs> Getting that game turn on money, eh? Just like Baldur's Gate 3. Just when I was doing good, Baldur's Gate 3 shows up. <laughs> if you want to support the pod, we're at Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where for just $1 a month, you can join our Discord and get the episode, the series, ad-free, which is awesome. Also, also, uh, we just launched the Year 2 pin for Acts of the Blood God. It uh, shares shows it, it depicts our favorite wolf, and it is meant to reflect uh, the, the advent of the Nadia nostalgia pit. We all went mm. into the pit that year, and we have yet to emerge. Oh, Nadia, you ain't coming out. Oh, we ain't coming out. We're stuck in there forever. Nadia, we need to name that wolf because it's our de facto mascot now. <laughs> It kind of is, yeah. I, I'm like thinking about like Wolfie. We call that. We call <laughs> the gray one Bitey. We call the gray one Bitey. Uh, yeah, help us come up with a with a a name for our little Wolfie mascot. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. And um, go and order a pin 
The uh, It's a limited time offer. It's over on shop.bluggoppod.com. Pre-orders close on August 14th. And once they close, we're probably not doing another run. Uh, so this is it. Um, go and order a pin, shop.bluggoppod.com. And check out lots of our cool Pride merch- merchandise as well. Another thing that we did just recently last week, we held an awesome charity stream. Had an absolute mm-hmm. blast. Uh, thank you so much to Eric for organizing all of that. We raised more than twelve thousand dollars. Trans Lifeline. That's even better yeah, yeah. than the previous year. Thank you so much for your kind donations. We gave a, away a Switch OLED. We gave away a lot of games. We had an awesome speed run through Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm, I kicked mm-hmm. Eric's butt in Pokemon. You did. Oh, muscle mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, my Pokemon Nuzlocke run was ongoing, and Duck Meat the Magnemite. Let's go. <laughs> duck so. Meat the Magnemite. I'm oh, like, not even Duck Meat the, it, the Psyduck. It was Duck Meat the Magnemite. Duck Meat it, the Magnemite. Du- duck Meat the Magnemite was a champ, but then Teeps the Second surviving that hit was maybe one of the highlights of the entire stream. That was that was a golden moment. I, Five hit I, points. I came in just in time to see part of Lord of the Karaks, and I was at the hotel room because of fanfest, oh and I was dying. Uh, there yeah. was one there. I, I turned my back for half a second, and something had happened that someone's Karak got launched, like catapulted, because they put something <laughs> down, and the Karak was on the other side. and went, like, and it was just like no one um, could catch their breath for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. The the segment where myself and, and Game Informers Alex Van Aken had to try and get uh, what eventually just became a Korok. <laughs> into the the pits of death mountain without uh we weren't allowed to glue the korok to anything we could build things to carry it like an egg drop challenge you know from high school but you could not like glue it on there to make sure it's stabilized it turned out that was the real problem of that challenge because i think very early on in the run i had built this like giant flying contraption and hit it and it went flying off and knocked link <laughs> off but the Korok stayed on there i remember and I just watch it fly away that was <laughs> um, great i was dying um that entire segment is just one like wacky races of what it is was. going to happen next and i yeah, it, it was a wonderful stream. The Jackbox segment with all the wonderful voice actors. Thank was, you to Ben Starr. Heck yeah. yeah ben Starr and yeah. Tom, Tom Taylorson, Taylorson and everybody else. Ash Parrish was dying on there. The uh, Jesse Vitelli for crafting watch Toonami and spit in my mouth question mark as a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, keep an eye on shop.bloodgodpod.com. Um, Let's just sell out of context uh, Jackbox t-shirts there now. <laughs> Like Amara was an inside job was probably my favorite. Amara was an inside job, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was it was honestly just a wonderful weekend. Uh, every time we do this, it really like reminds me that we've got such a great community here, and it's it's so much fun to to create these streams and get everybody on and see everybody be so generous with their time and their their donations. Um, shout outs to Moonblaze for for closing us out with an incredible Final Fantasy X speed run. It was it was such a joy to end on that one specifically. And uh yeah, I, I can't say enough. It was a wonderful weekend. VODs are on the Twitch right now. If you missed it, uh they will be exported to YouTube as well. So once the the Twitch VODs go down, we will also have a YouTube uh archive of that i'm actually working on that today so uh look forward to that and yeah i mean 
we'll probably do one again next year. I mean, it's it's becoming a pretty regular thing, and it's really fun it's every tradition. time. So I see and no Eric's reason not to. Pain. Yeah, I need to find more ways to make this more difficult for myself. We only had uh, one blue screen of death this last year uh, on the stream, so clearly I can. Yeah, it's yeah, a, we'll it's need a to shame find that. Ways. Our interview with Sven uh, didn't work out because uh, that was a really great opportunity. But yeah, Discord yeah. just hated us for some reason. Yeah, like, it was just broken. It kept freezing. Yeah. Uh, I was like, wow, what a great start. <laughs> but what, was we, he recovered. The, we recovered. Yeah, you guys did all right. Like, yeah, uh, I couldn't be on the show because I was at FanFest and I mm-hmm. didn't want to risk that hotel. You did not want to risk it that was, hotel. It was, yeah, I think not to get too deep into the weeds on on technical stuff but i think um it was discord was not able to handle the call because we did later segments that had the exact same technical setup and it worked fine so i think it was discord was just being wonky that morning and we we had told you like hey we we want to keep the stream up for 12 hours this time yeah. so uh, maybe send me an mp4 and and that's what we did i i think that worked out pretty well too i thought that was a pretty fun way to uh next time we're gonna pre we're gonna pre-record the interview so that there's no like yeah no that's a good idea yeah. actually there's there's always there's always post-mortems to be done after mm. the stream but i think um twelve thousand raised uh huge giveaways lots of great guests fantastic fun on the stream like we're we're very happy with it we're very thankful for all of you who, mm-hmm. who showed up and and made the stream what it is even the folks who were just Thank you you know you donated maybe once but you hung out in the stream the whole weekend i that's who i appreciate honestly mm-hmm. the, the people who who hung around and, and chatted yeah. and stuff like that so um thank you everybody y'all were thank great. you from the bottom oh. of our heart we do have to go. So we do have a long list of things that we got as donation incentives. Uh, so yes. our our first tier was that the Lunar uh, Pantheon is now on the free feed that is fully unlocked. Uh, is it? So everyone uh, or it will be that, it that will is be. the one. Yeah, that is <laughs> oh, the shit. one. That is free. Yeah, that one will go on the free feed. Uh, we are going to do a Final Fantasy 16 spoiler cast, uh, time and date, TBD. Uh, that one's not hard. We just got to find people who want to talk about it and throw a rock. We'll find somebody. Um, our th- What was our 3K goal? Our 3K goal was... Um, there's Witch another for spo- Mercury spoiler cast. Well, there was a Witch for Mercury spoiler cast. Where's my... I had a piece of paper where I wrote all this down. Um, our 3K goal was the Spirits Within Watch Along. Within, watch oh along. no, you did that? You monsters. Yeah. We yeah. We're recording um, a commentary. Oh, it's yeah, going to be great. We'll, we'll figure out a time for that, probably October. Um, Which from Mercury is going to depend on whenever Cat finishes Which from Mercury. So sometime before the end of the year, I'm going to say. Um, and then I'm going to finish tries. it on this trip. On this trip. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We're going to knock um, it Time Trials. Which is the last one. Uh, I will be streaming Chrono Trigger. I've never played Chrono Trigger. I don't know what happens in Chrono Trigger. There's a red Goku and a sword. There I, sure is. There's a robot pal, I think. Someone told you me there's right, multiple there dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, frog, knights. From the outside, it looks like there's a Bulma and a launch. That's my... I, I understand I all of this through oh, Dragon Ball. Oh, you're thinking Ayla. I don't think Ayla is launched. She has the same... She's from the template, but that's about it. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's Gokus and Bulmas abound. There sure um, is. That's going to be a weekly stream. I'm not going to start it right away. I'm probably going to start it later this month 
in the month of August, but I am going to be putting in the Discord a survey to see what times and dates work best for everybody because I want it to be something that people can tune into. It's also got to fit within my schedule. So I'll put something out there to see what sort of weekly stream looks good for everybody. And the plan there is that I will do a weekly broadcast playing through two two or so hours of Chrono Trigger at a time until we finish it. And then once I finish it, we'll do a big spoiler cast at the end. So all of you who have been oh, wanting a Chrono ass. Trigger Pantheon or, or some sort of big special about Chrono Trigger specifically, you will finally have that. We will finally Woo. do that on Blood God. Uh, through me experiencing it for the first time so we've talked uh, about chrono trigger a couple times <laughs> on the show but it can't hurt to revisit it it can never hurt to revisit especially since what's yeah. interesting is i'm always really interested in the point of view from newcomers like yourself cat you were you played it for the first time only quite recently yes. and and eric is just i can't six believe years ago now it. it's been a while mm-hmm. no, if six years is nothing when you're old you just feels like the blink i of guess an eye. it isn't no yeah um oh. We've done a, we did a Chrono Trigger um, back when we were doing the original run of the top 25 RPGs of all time. We did Mm -hmm. a special episode Mm -hmm. about that. And also I did a uh, kind of a like talk along let's play. I I believe we called it Blood God Reports, the Chrono Trigger Report back then. So Mm. they're in the archives somewhere way deep down. Deep, deep in the archives. Just in the deep places. Somewhere in the back. Uh, enjoy it, Eric. You're in for a real treat. It's, it's a really I, special game. I'm just, I'm curious. Y'all, y'all talk so highly of this game. We, and we did have know, an important question in the chat. Sorry, what version are you playing? Uh, I have not decided yet. I've heard that the PC version's fine. I, I think yeah, it's, they fixed it. I, I don't want to claim like any sort of hand in having that happen, but I did get very angry on US Gamer, and I got around. And uh, next thing I know, Square was worked on a lot of fixes for the game. And again, I, I'm not taking full credit for that, but I think hopefully I screamed. We loud got mad on this podcast too. Go back to the archives. <laughs> Everything's in hey, the yeah. archives at this point. <laughs> um, some people are saying DS in the Stars of Destiny chat. Um, I DS is good. the the problem is that I have to be able to stream it and. Uh. There's not really like great ways to stream Nintendo I bet you DS could patch stuff. In the translation from the DS version, if you really wanted to. Oh yeah, you can do. All I'm kinds pretty of sure that's the version stuff. they use on the Steam version, though. Probably, yeah, yeah. I bet you could patch in the SNES translation. Mm. See, now the SNES translation is an interesting beast because that was by Ted me. Woolsey, and he wrote Frog completely differently. And I think Frog is better in the SNES version. But it's not it's not the same as having like Final Fantasy six versus Final Fantasy three. Like the translation isn't totally off. By that point, Nintendo said you have the SRB, you take care of it. So there is some changes like alcohol, I think, got changed. But otherwise, it's pretty. Uh, oh, and something about boobs. There's a boob joke or something that got raised. Mango olds just show the card on the stream before you start. Look, if nobody asks questions, nobody's going to have to get answers. And that's how we <laughs> <laughs> ask me no questions. I tell you no lies. We, Look, the the unspoken rule, all right? Just we we uphold the unspoken rule. <laughs> all right. Please look forward to Eric starting his Chrono Trigger run very, very soon. In the meantime, let's move on to the main topic. Baldur's Gate 3. It's officially out. It's already off to a flying start. 
I think uh, Sven Vinke said that he was expecting like 100,000 concurrence or so. That he, That's what he told the IT folks, but it ended up being more like 600,000 concurrence nice. over on Steam. Um, it got a big surge in the top selling list on Steam, in large part because of the, ro- the reveals for the romances sparked a lot of interest in it. And honestly, Larian putting it out earlier uh, than St- Starfield probably mm-hmm. also really helped it because we were in a little bit of a gap. So Baldur's Gate 3 ended up perfectly filling that gap. Low key, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 experienced this last year. August is such an amazing time mm-hmm. to release mm-hmm. a big fat RPG right before the uh, right before the the holiday season gets started in earnest, and people are kind of like casting about for uh, something big to play. And I, I want to give credit where it's due. Eric has been on the uh, Baldur's Gate three train for a while now, like since a- the beginning since of early one, access. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've been. I've been looking forward to this game for years at this point. Uh, I remember first writing about it at US Gamer and just having that moment where I'd played some Larian games before. I've I've espoused the the virtues of uh, Divinity Dragon Commander on here, uh, one of Larian's more underrated games, might I say. Uh, and and I always thought DOS two was interesting and something that i wanted to put time into but needed to find like it's funny you mentioned august i feel like crpgs are summer games to me it's when you Mm. just want to have one game that you're going to play for three months non-stop just something that will last the entire summer that's what a crpg is to me that's what fallout new vegas was to me that's what like i know skyrim came out in the fall but like skyrim is that kind of vibe to me of just here's this endless game of of adventure and content um so when when i played baldur's gate 3 and it immediately impressed me immediately like in early access was like here is this melding of very classic isometric rpg with bioware ish production definitely taking some notes from recent years of bioware while also going back to older years of bioware while also incorporating larian's divinity work i was i was on board um and now it's here and Yay. I'm playing the full thing and I'm still working through my feelings on it. Let's let's put it that way. Not in a bad way. Um, my my overall feelings are largely positive. I do think there are some aspects of this game that maybe show that they move the release date up. Um, it, it is not without its. Um, my works. dude T-posed <laughs> through a whole cutscene. Yeah. It yeah, was pretty funny, actually. There have been a few cutscenes where I've had uh, what I call ghost items, which is uh, someone's avatar has clearly like left the area and has like despawned for a cutscene to happen, but whatever object they were like holding and animating with has not. So I've had cutscenes <laughs> where I am like in this dire conflict with another party member, and the book that Gail was reading is just floating nearby because he's gone, ghost but the book's book. still hanging out. Uh, I was having the same thing during there's a there's a big campfire party scene at the end of act one or maybe like nearish the end of act one uh, where someone like despawned in a cutscene, but I could still see their flagon of mead in the background just going up and down like a ghost was drinking it. Ghost and, beer. 
and th- and that's not even like I've had my camera get stuck in places. Ken, I don't know if you've ever had this, but like my camera gets stuck when I try to look at things like too overhead. It'll like dive into yeah. the geometry, and I have to like yank it out. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I definitely notice that a lot, just because like you know your camera moves freely through the geometry, just like by default. And then for some reason, like I'll be looking through like a certain area and it'll get stuck on something or it'll mm-hmm. like suddenly like dive down very or, low or the floor will disappear i've had yeah. the floor disappear when i'm on like a multi-tier battle and the floor will just like go away and not to like show anything that's happening down there it's all happening up here but it's the floor's just gone anyways it's on a vacation lot just, a, we, a lot of weird little things and little quirks but i find myself being almost like a Bethesda game, a little bit more Mm. forgiving of it when the game is trying to do something that is so notable and remarkable. And I am already just constantly thinking about the scope of this game and the ways that all, all the ways it could branch, all the ways it is branching already, all the ways that there are so many different solutions to every single puzzle. Um, I've been talking with friends over the last few days about all the different ways that we've come up with solving problems, with tackling combat situations, with getting through areas. And it's so open in a way that's mildly infuriating at mm. times, but in, in a way that once you realize it and you figure it out, like it, it, it does feel like you've just had this aha moment and it wants to be so reactive. It wants to be so, that that tabletop experience of i came up with this idea and it worked mm. I, I i'm trying to fight this tough paladin lady she wants to bonk my head with her divine smite <laughs> but it turns out that there's a rickety bridge in this room and if she walks onto that rickety bridge i can just blow it and send her into the chasm and guess what always beats paladin bottomless chasm <laughs> and <laughs> gravity uh, yeah and it's there's just so many moments like that where I just have those. I, I, I just sit there and I'm like, how does this game function? The way that mm. its code base operates mm. has to incorporate so many different variables at all these different times that it is a little bit scary. Uh, there's, there's somebody on the Baldur's Gate 3 subreddit. I was reading it last night. They, they had a suitcase full of dead imp corpses in their pocket. <laughs> Why? Um, Why? Because you can pick up bodies. They were like, you can loot bodies, but you can also loot bodies. <laughs> like you can it put just them... goes into the bag of holding. Yeah. And 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 so they just had and I was sitting there, I was like, if you're a necromancer and you can raise undead, having yeah. a bunch of corpses in your pocket is actually pretty that, smart. That's like having water beside you, like Cora, like, you know, with your water bender. Mm. Yeah, you keep a little vial of water <laughs> Ex- beside you. Exactly. You keep your little your little uh camelback on the back there. <laughs> but I yeah, all that is a very long answer to say, like, yes, I have been playing Baldur's Gate 3 for a long time, following BG3 for a long time. I'm now finally playing the launch version, and I feel like I've only just begun to understand the scope and depth of what this thing is. Eric uh, Eric is winning right now. He's like, I, yes. <laughs> he has to I, do the am, the victory lap. I'm in the Balder Baldur's Gate hole right now. I'm in my own pit of my own design. <laughs> I was kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this RPG, but actually it turns out I'm very into this RPG. I mm. got it on my Steam Deck and oh, that's good. it runs surprisingly well, actually. It took a lot of 
downloading and getting mm. everything patched. It, like when it launched, it, it took me the better part of the day to get it launched yeah. because it was actually putting a huge amount of load on Steam as everybody mm-hmm. was downloading mm-hmm. it at once and you couldn't preload it. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm not that far. I fought like a bunch of goblins and I am starting to get a good, good party. And I think the interesting thing about an RPG is that it shows your personality and I'm a people pleaser who wants acceptance. So (laughs) Mm, I'm mm -hmm. already trying to be as nice as possible to a lot of my party members, but also I don't think I should trust the majority of my party members because they all have their own agendas and it's making me a little nervous. Like, uh, Gail just kind of said, so, hey, I need you to help me with something. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, and and it goes from there. So th- this is a thing that so friend of the show, Len Hafer pointed out that like the way this game opens is just fantastic. It's yeah. it's a really great setup. You were on a Nautiloid ship. There is a tadpole, mind flare tadpole in your brain. Um, you are going and to Star get Trek turned two shit right there. Exactly. You're going to get turned into a a mind flare if you don't get it out of your brain. And so you start to build up a party of other people who are also on the ship who got infected. And this is like the part two of why I think this setup is so effective. All of these characters have problems. All of these characters have goals, even goals that run up against each other. Like if you thought Mass Effect 2 was the game where you had like a band of scoundrels who were all kind of banding together for one cause, this like dirty dozen type thing, this is like everybody hates each other, but we've got a tadpole in our heads, so we really need to figure out a way to take <laughs> care of that so we can go back to hating each other. And that's such a good party dynamic. It's such an effective... It, it, what if the entire camp was enemies to lovers? What if that was the whole thing and it works so well? It's so good. I got I'm a, the, the very cranky um, green skin lady. I don't remember her Lazelle. name. Lazelle. Yeah, Lazelle. I got Lazelle. Her her race. What? Like, I don't know Forgotten Realms very well. Like, it's, um, it's a race that rides dragons to kill mind flayers. That's cool. Short short abridged version is that the Githyanki are part of a larger race, the Gith, who were enslaved by the Mind Flayers. Uh, they they broke free, gained their freedom, then splintered into two factions, the Gith Zarai and the Gith Yonki. We really only see the Gith Yonki as far as I've seen so far. Um, the Gith Zarai became monks, basically. Uh, there's actually cool. one of the party members in Planescape Torment is a Gith Zarai. Um, fun fact. Uh, well, and- anyway, I like uh, Lazel well, no, because uh, she's. Okay. I feel like she's the only one who... <laughs> uh can tell me uh tell me like her she she's telling me the truth she's very straightforward mm. with me a little bit cranky and i'm like okay yeah but i want to hear about the dragons why do they ride dragons okay so yeah yeah the githyanki <laughs> oh, um no, <laughs> no the, the i'm at the end of the explanation don't worry the the githyanki meanwhile really hate the mind flayers for enslaving them and just hunt them constantly cool. so they they ride dragons and their whole thing is just we hate mind flayers and they have turned themselves into like a militaristic faction that just exists to hunt mind flayers for the glory of their queen um, Neat. What a and they, mm. yeah honestly alongside the dragon uh race probably one of my favorite backstories the dragon race is also a bunch of people who were turned into half dragons as slaves for actual dragons and then they rose up overthrew their masters yeah, and now yeah, they're the dragon, just doing, that's what i'm playing i'm playing a silver dragonborn yeah yeah that 
big fan of those backstories and also their designs. They look so cool. Like they everyone, awesome. everyone in this game looks really cool all the time. My <laughs> skin is shiny. I have shiny silver skin. I always wanted that kind of thing, <laughs> mm-hmm, like in mm-hmm. a in an RPG. You have that scaly, um, I mean, really scaly, if you want to talk about the certain toggles and things you can <laughs> do with this game. <laughs> we haven't let, really let Ken talk. Um, Ken, I want to know what your experience is with, uh, with this game and also what your character is. Uh, so, well, to start off, my character is like fairly boring because I, I do very self-insert whenever I play an RPG. So, like, I'm a human isekai warlock who just mm. yeah like he's guide into the world the mike um, williams isekai <laughs> yeah me, me and mark are very ki- much kindred spirits on that front noted um, warlock ken shepherd yeah you know <laughs> I've, I've got i've always got a, a patron on me um mm-hmm. so it's interesting because i think Baldur's gate 3 is i in at least in recent memory i think it's like the biggest emotional whiplash video game i've played in a very long time because the highs of this game are so high like it's you know, if you're, you know, a more modern Bioware fan, it very much is, feels like it draws from like modern influences like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, but very much in that CRPG style. Um, so I think what has been my experience is because like I, I come left from a CRPG tabletop background, so a lot of these concepts are new and like fun to find out because like I, I feel like it's sort of rewiring my brain in terms of like how I approach problems. And because like there was a, an example I had last night was um. I was trying to get through a temple and without getting like to spoilers, there's like a an obstacle where every time you tried to get through to your objective, a, a force field just like sho- shoves you back. And then I realized I can just switch to my gas form. You like use a spell to do that and then just fly over the barrier. <laughs> the Castlevania Symphony reach, of the Night. Yeah, mm-hmm, and just, like do mm-hmm. things like like, you know, things that I, I guess like I'm constantly in awe just like how dense this game is in terms of its systems, in terms of like all the things it can account for. Because like for for a lot of RPGs, like I tend to think of like, oh, my spells are things that I use in battle, as opposed to like something that really opens up new possibilities in how I navigate the world. Right. Um and so like it just every time that I'm about to lose my patience, my patience feels very rewarded when it's suddenly something clicks and something like some new uh objective is made clear to me. Um that being said, and like I've been, I've been talking to like all the people that have been reviewing it, um, and kind of trying to like fumble our way to the dark before guides are out there. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot of like for for all like the systemic depth there is, there is a lot of stuff that just feels like it's very obfuscated. It feels very cumbersome, and it feels very much like the game is throwing you into the deep end. Sure, but I also just feel like the game is like not even willing to give me to give me a hand to help me out. Um, and a lot of that comes from things like it, small things like vague quest descriptions that kind of like imply, oh, I need to be like really looking around this area to try and figure out what's next. And then I'll be like, OK, screw it. And then I go and try and do something else, find out that like information I needed was on the opposite side of a map and what seemed like an unrelated side quest. Mm. And all of those moments when they finally come together, like feel really good. Like I it, like it, it is the most satisfying thing when you finally like come up with you know a, a solution to a problem that you couldn't have even fathomed before but also i i've wasted like two hours of my life banging <laughs> my head against this wall yeah um and i get that can be a very like rewarding like crpg thing but also like i'm i got only so much time every day like i, I feel like there are days that i've been playing this game where i feel like i've made no progress despite having 
had it booted up for half the day. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like this very like constant like oscillation between like this game is incredible to this game makes me want to throw my laptop across the room. Um, <laughs> that seems to have been a sentiment for a lot of people that are, you know, as as I said, like kind of in the early days, still trying to figure things out and those uh, guides and resources aren't out there yet. So it's been low key, a lot of emotions. Low key, one of the hardest encounters in the game is like one of the first encounters of the game. Mm-hmm. When you fight the brains on the beach and oh, yeah. they yeah. kind of swarm you, especially oh, yeah. if you're a magic user, mm-hmm. you have to kind of understand your abilities or else you will die. Yep. And mm. I had to redo that encounter several times me too and it's easier now but at the very beginning i can see a lot of people just kind of up and quitting mm-hmm. um because it's a little unforgiving in that respect for sure i i think there's like something compelling to that in that you are not a hero when you start this story right like right I, so there's there's a part of the game that i'm at where you run into uh someone who was in the previous Baldur's gate games and you actually end up in not in combat with them, but like they are, they're participating in a battle um, as like a, a like third party force. And you get to see how somebody who is a legend in the sword coast fights. And you're like, Oh, they're so much stronger than I am. They are, they are just incredible. That is a living legend right there. And I am just some, some guy that got picked up by a nautiloid ship and is in the middle of all this uh, trying to survive. And I do think there's an interesting curve there in you are becoming the, the legend. And I I've always liked that about RPGs because I think that's a thing they sometimes struggle to really communicate is it's like, kinda like uh, one thing I've always brought up is this, the, when you see Sephiroth for the first time and he one shots that dragon where cloud mm. gets his ass kicked, like something like that yeah. is, is perfect to me. Like, like, like there's, so there's two kinds of, of like overcoming challenge in RPG. If you want to like really just boil it down flat to me. Uh, in terms of combat at least you have like i have leveled up enough i have gained the the stats and the things that will make me able to tackle this enemy and i have gained the gameplay knowledge and skill Mm. that will let me defeat this enemy and they can be independent or coexist but i do think that larian wants you to understand the gameplay systems and mm. use them they would right. they want you to dip into your inventory they want you to uh use scrolls there's so many scrolls mm. and let me tell you having scrolls on characters even just so you're not wasting actions so you're always doing something every turn and you're not just moving and passing um just paying attention to the items that you have and what effects they can do i spent like 1200 gold on a shield last night and that's not an insignificant sum of gold right but yeah. it is a really sick shield that's going to make shadow heart a beast moving forward uh and it, it was worth it to me to have that like heavy frontliner uh and and that's sort of the thing that i'm i'm constantly running into is that there are like ups and downs and swings and and kind of trying to figure it all out but then i have that moment where like I was fighting some magma methods who sprung out of this volcano that I was trying to navigate my way down. And I was like, oh, Gale has an AOE ice ability that I can just throw into a clump of them and explode all of them. And they take extra damage from this. And 
boom, it worked. Mm-hmm. And then other times I've been like, oh, wait, I can take advantage of this environmental thing. I can sneak. I can talk to this one target and they will follow me into another room because I've told them that I want to have like a private conversation and then I jump them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. um, like, I, I think there's so much of that where it rewards you for. I, I've seen a lot of people say this is not a game where you can barge down the door. Right. This right. is not a game where you can just always uh, knock, knock, open up and and fight everybody inside the room. You will get your butt kicked if mm-hmm. you do that. Um, yeah. And so you need to kind of approach it as if you are that underpowered random person that has been isekai into the Nautiloid ship and is just trying to survive, is just trying to get this yeah. war about. <laughs> it's honestly, it's been fascinating to see. I mean, because like, like you said, like the combat in itself is like very challenging and it's not in a numbers way. It's in like just like a, a tactics and like a, a game sense way. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the fascinating thing for me is like, I feel like I've done very little combat throughout this game because I have specced so hard into charisma and just talking my way out of things. Mm-hmm. That has been my go-to initial tactic in pretty much everything I've encountered so far. Um, so like when the fights happen, they feel very significant. It doesn't feel like a grind in a way that a lot of RPGs can. And I think there is some sort of, I, I think obviously like through years of playing RPGs, a lot of our brains are kind of like wired to assume the way to progress is to fight. The way to get better and be able to overcome things is to grind. Yes. Um, whereas just like, y- you don't gain a lot of levels in this game. Like I think I'm 30 hours in and I've, I'm at level like six or so. And so once it like occurred to me like, oh, I haven't really been doing a lot of fighting. Is that kind of impeding my ability to, get through some of these early encounters then you just kind of realize no the numbers aren't like too high or too low um it's just a matter of like my tactics were wrong i i need to consider all the things in my arsenal whether that be spells whether that be items whether that just be like moving somebody to a different side of the map just so like we're not all bunched together when somebody throws an explosive um it's just like like again it's so systemically dense that i think it's going to be kind of growing pains for a lot of people. And I think that speaks to its strength as well as as many frustrations. Yeah, for sure. I think that this is the, I mean, it's the biggest budget RPG of this type since Mm -hmm. Dragon Age Origins. Mm, I think that the, the, the voiced cutscenes, the fully voiced cutscenes add a huge amount. It's one reason that I struggled a little bit to grok a uh, Divinity Original Sin too early on was it was a lot of text boxes mm-hmm. for yeah. the most part and, and it was like very good but I think it's harder to put myself into the mindset of role playing when I'm just reading right. tons and tons and tons of text. Um, so with uh, Baldur's Gate three, I think that's a, a big step up and it's quite impressive. I think they said there was something like. What was it? 160 hours worth of cutscenes. Some ridiculous 170, number. something. Which, if they're counting like dialogues as cutscenes, and also the idea that like this game can branch in pretty drastic ways, mm-hmm. um, there are absolutely entire plot lines that I have like cut off from myself at this point um, that I'm not seeing. So uh, that it, it makes a little bit more sense when you think about how wide this game gets. Right. So I've been playing it slightly differently than I usually play RPGs. Um, first, uh, I'm like Ken. I usually self-insert. But this time around, I decided to go with a, t- a non-human character. So I rolled mm. up a tiefling warlock. 
Yeah. Um, oh, cool. Normally I go like human and I have like a sword or something. Yeah. Sword and board. Like, Eric I like and I are, only, are the only ones for fun. We're the only people who make like characters like. <laughs> hey. I, I, I to be fair, basically recreated my character from the Blood God D&D campaign, but I did not make it. So did you. This time. That. I was thinking of doing that, but then I said, no, I'm going to go with another Dragonborn. It's going to be her son or something cool like that. I, Ooh, I like, I like that. But yeah. yeah. No, I, I almost kind of regret not just completely remaking Kornok because I really liked him as a character. I loved the whole like he is haunted by the pixies that want to make him do <laughs> stupid things. And like my my story for my half elf that I'm playing is that he is a like charlatan who would do like cons and Baldur's Gate. But then he got tricked by a fairy king and into signing a pact and so now he is like a con man working for the ultimate con man and he has he's always trying to talk his way out of everything he's very much like a a like danny ocean type who is in over his head um yeah anyways well anyway i rolled up a tiefly warlock just to try things different um so i actually have magic i'm a non-human character and i'm still kind of getting to grips with my character because as i said you know i'm only like five ten hours into this game so i'm still quite early but that's one way that i'm playing it a little different the second mm-hmm. is that i'm not using guides and yeah. i think that's a that's obviously a big undertaking with sure. a game like this but i sort of want to roll with it as much as i can me too the one yeah. time uh, and i kind of want to get your thoughts on this i'm trying not to save scum except i did <laughs> save scum in this one instance <laughs> I can't relate. No, I saved scum so hard in this game. <laughs> I so had bad. a couple of bad rolls and pissed off Gale so badly that he left my party. Oh, wow. Wow. What and did I was you like, save his mother? Well, uh, he was asking me something really awkward. So I was trying to read his mind a little bit to get a sense of like mm. what the heck was going mm. on. And then he detected it and he got really pissed uh. off. And mm. then I was trying to talk him down. But then I kept failing rolls. <laughs> and he got so mad that he left. And I was like, so okay, I'm going to reload now. Try to apologize and make it get worse. Yeah. Instead of comforting him, you're like repeatedly swearing at him and then like telling him his dog sucks and critical like, fail. Nope. <laughs> I I like I'm trying to stay within the spirit a little bit of the actual tabletop role playing because mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. tabletop role playing, if, if mm-hmm. you roll poorly, then things happen and you kind of roll with it, right? But in this instance, I didn't really want to lose Gale, so mm. I fair. wanted to keep him in my party to some extent. So mm. I guess I've already violated that. But to one extent or another, I'm just trying to kind of roll it with it and see what happens mm. as I play through my story and role play. This game really encourages role playing. It does. Which right. yeah, I think sure. it's yeah. really, that's fun. That's fun. Mm. My, my safe coming has been less in like dialogue checks as it has been combat. Like, combat, yeah. Yeah, combat's right. Get stuck. It's a it's a weird thing. It's like if just by like walking into an encounter on one side of the map, you can just completely undermine yourself for the entire fight. So it's like you know what, not even a point. Like wasting my time watching all my characters die and trying to salvage this because it's not going to work. Because like, yeah, I am generally a person who, when it comes to like actual decisions and you know dialogue things, like I'm very much like live by your choices, even if they don't work out, even if they don't pan out. Like that's um kind of like one of my mantras in Normandy FM is like you know live with the, the realities of what you've done. Mm-hmm. Um. But when it comes to combat, that is the part where a lot of stuff feels maybe more uh, arbitrary. Is not necessarily the word because like dice rolls are arbitrary no matter what format mm. you're using them in. But 
it, it, that's the point where it's like, oh, I, I feel like my time is being wasted if I continue to like pursue a fight when it's clearly just not going my right. way. Right. Yeah, I understand that completely. I, yeah. So Eric's golden rules for save scumming in Baldur's Gate three. Number one, I all I will save scum a combat encounter for sure mm-hmm. because yeah. I I do think that is. There, there's something about the way that Larian has concocted this combat where it is just super easy to die and not even just die mm-hmm. from like getting hit in the face. But like I have had so many characters get shoved off of cliffs. This and is of yeah, um, there, there I are so many ice on mine by accident. There's so many <laughs> chasms that you can knock people down. So, so that Eric's golden rule. Number one, always reroll on combat. Eric's golden rule. Number two, uh, always reroll. Uh, if you failed on your Riz. Uh, and I don't mean just any charisma <laughs> check. I mean, when I get the romance scene with Shadowheart and I failed the inside check to know that she wants to smooch, I, I re-roll that bad boy. I boot that back up. We're not missing that. And the game bugged out and gave me that scene twice for some reason. So I had to Riz it up <laughs> twice. <laughs> and, and I reloaded to make sure that my half-elf had that Riz. Uh Number three, Eric's rule number three, always reload to avoid animal cruelty. There's a lot of potential animal cruelty in this game, and I have ensured that none of it has happened on my watch. Those are Eric's three golden rules for saves coming. I think that's all totally reasonable. Yeah. Um, How often does it autosave? I I did not kick the squirrel, if that's what you were going to ask. Okay, that was my question. (laughs) No, I did not kick the squirrel. There's there's a part in the Grimforge in the Underdark where you can help out some of the, the deep cows um but you have to you have to pass like a a 15 dc animal handling check and uh my look i've got the riz in some situations but i don't got that animal riz animals hate you animals hate you eric i have low animal riz and so (laughs) i had to re-roll that one a couple times so on that note well not not getting into spoilers I got to talk about the romance scene that I experienced last you, night. Oh my God. Oh my God. So for context, and, and we will, I, I, we will not spoil anything here. I'm yeah. romancing Gail. Um, I was originally going to romance Will. I romance Will throughout early access, but there was like a bunch of rewrites with his story. His voice actor changed. It's like, no, I'm just not, not feeling it the same way. I need to know the AO3 account of Valerian writers who wrote, Gail's romance. <laughs> I need to know what fan fiction poison brain mm-hmm. that individual has so I can just like lap it all up because I am living for that shit. It is like, so I, again, like no spoilers, I had to like show Eric on a Discord call. I was like, I need somebody to like process this with me. And I sent mm-hmm. it to, I, I'm I, still I processing what happened. And because like it, it has like a branching path, one of them's kind of normal, the other one's very much not. And it's the one that clearly Larry put the budget into. Um, And it is like, like, Bioware take notes. Bioware found dead in a ditch. I cannot believe I witnessed (laughs) that shit and experienced it. I, I was having a whole meal, y'all. I, I cannot believe they did that. And they animated it. They wrote it. It got from like the idea phase into something that they put into a millions and millions of dollar game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Wild mm -hmm. shit. A A plus. No notes. uh, so like, if you're gonna make an RPG, talk. if you're gonna make an RPG, just go for it. Don't, yes. don't hold go back. For yes. it. Yeah, that, like that, it can always get weirder. That, that's that's the, the <laughs> mantra now. That's that, a good mantra. Larian's thing has been like 
you know the the bear sex scene was like one of the the mm. i think indicative moments that oh they're not just making a like D themed rpg they're making a D rpg in which they have really thought about all the different ways because i i wrote this in my blog at the time but you think there's not a table of players somewhere that has like quietly giggled about the implications of druid wild shape sex like that that has happened mm. at tables since the 80s and like the the stuff with gale is included in that where it's just like they clearly thought not just about like the things that would come up right like the like the concepts that come up at a table when you're dealing with romance of this kind but i i will say for for ken's part the ways in which they tie that back into the character's story and do actually make mm-hmm. them feel pretty meaningful to that moment yeah. for for your character and that uh companion really surprising mm-hmm. really interesting that I once it, it made me want to see like the culmination of my own arcs in in my playthrough because i'm like this is the effort they're putting into right. these relationships that you're creating and that is fascinating i've already had some really really good moments and seeing what it gets to later as as ken is like further on than i am i am just really 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 intrigued by where all of this stuff is going to go and it's i i do think there's a lot of like flowers to give to the writing team specifically mm-hmm. there have been moments with writing especially around gail gail's a very well-written character mm-hmm. um where i've been really surprised and taken aback by not just the the quality of the individual words and lines and all that which is it's a very well-written game but it's also like the way at which they kind of plot these things out and create these ideas and then make them happen in the world make them feel natural i think the auntie ethel quest in act one Mm. is like a real just solid fantasy quest that works well and has all these different layers that you can kind of unlock as you go down and plays with your like gameplay mechanics and your narrative mechanics and they interweave very well it's it is an impressive game it is just a impressive game that only happens when you have larian who has been making dos one and then dos two mm, and can yeah. now carry that into bg3 the same way that like the zelda team with tears of the kingdom built yeah up exactly game over game and like wow it, it's as if you let you let developers mature instead of grinding them into mush in the first like you know five <laughs> years of their career and they learn how to make great games isn't that nice wouldn't that be a nice thing we could have as an industry I mean, to be clear, Larian has experienced plenty of growing pains, especially during Infinity Original Sin 2. And Baldur's Mm -hmm. Gate 3's development was quite fraught in its own way because it was a wildly ambitious game. Maybe Larian just keeps biting off more than it can chew in a lot of respects. They have multiple studios open. They've had to learn to coordinate between all of Mm -hmm. these different studios. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't always been a smooth Mm -hmm. ride. For Larian, but it does feel like they've reached their breakout moment. It's quite impressive, given that Baldur's Gate Three is such a in-depth, hardcore for RPG, mm-hmm. a CRPG for CRPG fans, and it's mm-hmm. hitting mainstream. That's uh, I, really remarkable, honestly. That's I think cool. to I think to use like a really basic, like flat comparison, it reminds me of what happened with CD project red when the Witcher three launched, right? Like mm-hmm. they had, they had been building this up. They had been doing this for a long time. They had put in the hours, they had had their stumbles, their ups and their downs. And then this game comes out and it's 
everyone takes notice. It is the moment where this thing that seemed very niche, that seemed very foreign audience has now exploded in a way that is exciting. And do I think that we're suddenly going to see an influx of CRPGs? No. <laughs> we're not going to see like I think the ba- the key difference, Eric, is that The Witcher 3 is a very in-depth open world action game. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think that yeah, mainstream I, yeah. audiences can instantly sort of grok that. Right. It's not that far removed from Assassin's Creed. That's why Assassin's Creed Valhalla went out and copied so much right. of it. Oh yeah, I but agree. this yeah. is a CRPG ass CRPG. We're yeah, talking I, about. I yeah. think that's the main reason why you see a lot of people take things from Wild Hunt, but the things that they're going to probably learn from Baldur's Gate Three are a little bit more subtle. And and I mean, it's not just BG Three. There are games like Disco Elysium that have been building up this steady rise of the CRPG format in in modern uh, culture. And I do think that's interesting. Is that maybe it's not even like the water has to get brought to us we can go to the water now we can we can actually as as humanity as the mainstream like people are just a little bit more willing to deal with stuff that seemed esoteric and seemed difficult Mm -hmm. but like if you put it in such a pretty wrapper and you say like look over here look at all these beautiful companions in your party that that hate each other and also like want to romance you like you're like oh yeah i want that (laughs) i agree that it's definitely um an aspect of maybe people are willing to engage they're more sophisticated in the way that they approach games on the flip side i just think that more people are playing DD than they have in years yes yeah and actual play podcasts have been a huge boon people Mm -hmm. understand DD kind of intuitively i've been playing DD with a group of friends and it's been a huge help in coming into this game and I understanding play it D&D. right off the bat, just understanding the different attacks, uh, having mm-hmm. a basic understanding of the different mechanics uh, sort of really lessens the uh, the learning curve with this one. And so I, I think that uh, Baldur's Gate 3 success owes so much to the recent explosion and rise in, um, in D&D. And I think Larian knew it. Yeah, I mean the, the yeah. reason they're partnering with like Critical Role to like boost this game, like it's a cultural phenomenon in a way it hasn't been in a very long time. Yeah, like like there a D and D movie just came out. Like you were saying, mm. Crit Role and other actual that play failed. podcasts are huge. <laughs> it was oh, so good the, though. But it was such a it was a legitimately was very, good. very good movie. Yeah, it yeah. was very good. But I haven't seen it yet. The theatrical run was not good. <laughs> That's too yeah. bad. Here it was great. But like, but like, who cares? At the end of the day, like, I I know they care. I know the people with the money care. But it's I I do think that D and D has not been this popular since like the eighties, right? It's like, like satanic panic. You, you, you can chart a path from actual play becoming a thing and Stranger Things heavily featuring D and D ideas to this current moment where D and D is the most popular it's ever been, and uh with that and also like Baldur's gate i don't know like it is deep but i think the things you're doing in it are not overtly complex so you have a pretty straightforward set of verbs that you're working with you i mean to boil it down you you have xcom right like you move and shoot like that's yeah. it's the same thing but like xcom the depth is as you start to elaborate expand build on that system in a way that turns move shoot and turn into something much greater and something much more deep. And, and I do think BG3 pulls that off 
And maybe like one of the more difficult things is people having to just get used to all the vocab, understanding what a spell slot is or how to why you might want to cast a level one spell at level three to get added effect and things like that. But um, I I do think that's part of the fun and part of the the interest. And it really says something that this whole time I've been sitting here, I'm just like, I really want to be playing BG3 right now. I I, I love podcasting with y'all. I really do. But I really want to play Baldur's Gate 3 right now. I think the thing that's remarkable to me is even though it's a very dense and sophisticated and complicated RPG, it genuinely goes down easy. I didn't think that it was going to be a good RPG to be playing on my Steam Deck, but to my everlasting surprise, it translates extremely well to it. Uh, The the, uh, controller commands are Mm. pretty well implemented, I would say, and I think that it's going to do very well when it comes out on console. Okay. We have to move on, but expect lots more Baldur's Gate 3 uh, conversation um, as we get deeper into the game. And we'll definitely be doing a big deep dive um, relatively soon. But okay, it's time now for a series of random encounters. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The next Pokemon Presents is scheduled for August 8th. We could be getting Scarlet and Violet DLC information. Also, uh, Mario Plus Rabbit's uh, Sparks of Hope Story DLC will be out August 30th. That was uh, one of the more underrated tactics RPGs to Mm -hmm. come out in Mm -hmm. 2022. Mm -hmm. Diablo 4 Patch 1.1.1 is out. And actually, fans are pretty happy. It addresses a lot of what went wrong with the most recent season, specifically... Uh, with the Sorceress and the Barbarian builds. I think there's a conversation to be had, actually, about how Larian specifically came out against microtransactions, and mm. uh, Diablo 4 just feels like it's monetized to within an inch of its life. It's pretty wild. Big <laughs> hey, surprise. Microsoft will be bringing Starfield to Gamescom via a new presentation and Fantasia. You remember yes. that one? That's the one. That's the RPG yeah. by Hironobu Sakaguchi. It's looking set to come out to Steam and Maybe consoles as well, based on a new Steam list. It's about time. It's a good RPG. Does nobody play it because it's an Apple Arcade? Yeah, that's going to be a Steam Deck darling. It's going to fly on Steam Deck. and especially. Mm -hmm. I love the art in that game. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. We have arrived at the tavern. We're settling in at the fire. Let's uh, let's hang out. Let's chat a little bit. Things that are interesting uh, to us. RPGs that we've been playing. Movies that we've been watching. I went and saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem last year. I hear too, right. Uh, have any of you all seen it? I'm going to. I, 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 I like turtle stuff a bit. Mm. Did you say you saw it, Ken? 
Yeah, I saw it. Um, it was very good. I it it leaned a bit too much because like, I have a, a real problem with like quote unquote kids movies, which are you know all, all ages movies that tend to lean lean hard into referential humor, and that was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a pillar of that movie. And it was like like the, some, some of the last like punchlines were like, "Oh, you're an improv like you, you can improv like Mark Ruffalo in the Avengers movie." And I'm like, "Oh okay, uh, yeah," uh, like so many name drops and like all that got annoying, but like. The other half of the movie was like just a lot of like one stellar animation. Like that that movie yeah, looks it's incredible. Great. It's gorgeous. Um, and then too, Art like actually so like having actually having like some pretty decent writing and humor that wasn't so reliant on like kids being like, Oh, I know that thing. Um so yeah, it was very you good. It says a queer allegory. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I so true, was actually. Probably one of the <laughs> only people who liked uh, Rise of the TMT TMNT. I don't know if anyone else hmm. really watched Which one it. Is but that? That was, it was like the more uh, unorthodox take on the turtles where um, Raphael was leader and they all had these like, I think uh, really interesting animation styles, but a lot of people didn't like it. It was very gorgeously, gorgeously animated, like very fast moving, very funny. Uh, that was the first, well, I know it has been said that April was black in the comics, but that's the first instance of her being black on the screen. And of course mm-hmm. that like grazed the usual kerfuffle, but it was a great series. Um, I think it was actually written by Rob Paulson, uh, Ash's dad. So um, oh. I actually, my husband wrote, re, uh, I think reached out to him and said like, you know, hey, it's a great, it's a, it's a good series. Like, uh, congratulations mm-hmm. on that. So yeah, I do uh, like Turtles a bit. Mutant Mayhem's really cool to me because it feels like a reaffirmation that we are in the post Spider-Verse mm-hmm. era of oh, animation. Because you had like Spider-Verse come out and everyone took notice. The The sequel was also yeah. really, really good. But then you've had things like this and um, the Puss in Boots movie, uh, Last mm. Wish, which I still need to see, but I I've heard is that. very good. Yeah, um, it's supposed to be incredible. And and it's it's really nice to see that we're not in that era where everyone's trying to just be Pixar, but yeah. um, that, that people are getting. And granted, now a lot of people are trying to be Spider-Verse. Right. But I think there's so much room for interpretation and expression within that, that it's a lot more interesting than trying to just recreate mm-hmm. the Pixar house style. And it makes me more interested in these movies than I probably would have been like five, 10 years ago. Same. It's a real um, contrast to the fact that animation in many respects is under threat and deeply underappreciated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you see what's happening on various streaming services where it's being taken away AI art is coming in and a like animation artists and voice mm-hmm. talent are mm-hmm. being treated like garbage. And so it's heartening to see really good animated movies. I So I've been watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles since literally it came out in the 1980s. And I, I like, I have a soft spot for turtles. I do. I think that, the thing that I really liked about this movie is that it actually reckoned with the idea of, okay, like there are these four uh, teenage mutants mm-hmm. who live in a sewer who want to have a real life but cannot access the human world. What does that look like? Let's explore it. And I thought it had a heart. It had a soul mm-hmm. in a way that I have rarely seen from earlier Turtles works, which have you know, typically been based on Kung Fu yeah, movies, right, that kind of thing, mm. which is like fine and everything. But I liked that this movie, you know, was introspective in a way. Um, right. Yeah, it was really good. Better than the better than the Bay movies, at least I'm assuming. Oh, I mean, that's not hard. 
I, I kind of like two a little bit, but no, it was pretty bad. I always liked the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's a perfectly the one classic from like 1990. Yeah, yeah. Great. I mean that was animatronics. That was about as close as you were going to get in spirit to the original Kevin Eastman comics. But yeah. Yeah. And no matter what iteration, Splinter always rules. Splinter is always the best character. I've always meant to read Last Ronin. Are you all familiar with that one? Mm-mm. Is that the uh, comic where uh, Mark- Michelangelo becomes like the survivor or something like that? All of the turtles are dead except Michelangelo. <laughs> yeah, that sounds who like has become uh, like heartrending. a grim dark. He's he's carrying all of their weapons, uh, oh, and it's this. <laughs> Sort of dystopian future. <laughs> we, we killed Ken. <laughs> it's a dystopian future where uh, New York is run by the, the Foot Clan. It's a wasteland outside. It's a little cyberpunk 2077. And mm-hmm. Michelangelo's on his own. Um, and, like April's daughter is there. and it, It's good, actually. It was always meant to be the end of the turtle story, which I was like, wow, what what a dark ending. Mm. Say, how, do you, how, else, how much louder can you say, fuck my creation? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but you said that it was been like that. He said that was always meant to be the original ending because um, the, the original Eastman and Laird comics were quite dark. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. Actually, we just associated, I mean, the cartoon came out and was extremely silly in that kind of late 80s. Mm. And the arcade way. game yeah. gave it a huge mm-hmm. boost as well because that was amazing. At birthday party showcase. Mm-hmm. So much merch. When I went into the uh, Alamo Draft House, they were showing old commercials for the toys mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles musical. And I was like, there's been a lot of pop culture cruft associated with Teenage Mutant Ninja, Tur- Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, yeah. over the past 30 years. I remember mm-hmm. um, the, the summer that Turtles got really big, my brother went to Ireland to visit some cousins. And he came back with a shirt that said Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And I'm like, what is wrong with Ireland? What happened? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Go see Mutant Mayhem. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Ken, what's, uh, what are you paying attention to? What are you playing? What's interesting to you? Uh, honestly, I mean, other than Baldur's Gate, because that's consuming all my life. Uh, the only other thing I'm playing is actually an embargo right now. Um, the only thing that's like, I mean, since we brought up movies, the only thing, other thing that's occupying my brain right now, this is a Barbie movie. I'm obsessed with it, mm-hmm. y'all. I have a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about hey, buying. You seen like, it twice? Three times. Three uh, times. I need to I, see I it. it. I saw it when I like you know initially was going to go see it, and then I went back home to Georgia um, the past week, and my brother and sister hadn't seen it, and I saw it with them separately. I might go see it one more time. I'm I'm not rolling wow. that. Wow. Um, I mean, granted, wow. for those that don't know, I see movies like repeatedly, yeah. like yeah. it's a problem. And now that I've I've been in New York long enough to know. Uh, the theaters around here. I have an Alamo Drafthouse membership, and I'm like, okay, this is like the the way for me to get back into my sickness. Um, <laughs> just like such a, and every time I've gone, I've, I've worn my like pink outfit with my with my Ken tank top Aww. with the, the pride Ken tank top. That's cute. Are you um, Ken enough? Ken enough? I, I I hope so. <laughs> I, oh, I, you I are you are Ken enough. I am Ken enough. <laughs> um, I bought that hoodie the second I walked out of the theater. Um, just like it, it was. I've gotten really jaded to a lot of like collective theater experiences like that. A lot of studios try to like hype up their thing, their movies. And a lot of that comes from like all we've really gotten of that lately has been Marvel. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like going to see that movie with a bunch of people who were buying into the bit, everyone came in in pink. Um, just like a really like great experience reminds me like why I still like the theaters. Um, even though, you know, that business is its whole, whole other, you know, mess that we don't need to get into this podcast. But like, you know, when you get into like the, 
you know, there, there are people that would probably critique it in like much more profound ways than I would. Um, I just like really enjoy it as this collective, like mimetic exper- experience we're all having right now, both in theater and like, all, and like online. Um, I, I've listened to that soundtrack on loop basically every day since I saw it. Um, just like really into like the way that it pays tribute to the, the long history of that and like the long complicated, very messy history of that toy line um, in mm. a way that, you know, I mean, obviously like it can only go so far because it is, you know, uh, it's sponsored a toy? by Mattel. So <laughs> it's made um, by a toy and, company. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's just like a lot of that movie is sticking with me in a way that like it, gets like it's boiled down to in like a barbenheimer meme but like i i don't know it's it's like really stuck with me in a way that i'm really it's probably one of my favorite movies of the year just because of how much it has felt like a a moment um yeah yes and uh it it brought back attention to aqua and i was a huge aqua fan Mm -hmm. when they first Mm -hmm. came out so anything anything that brings life to aquarium again like uh everyone's got to go listen to aquarium if you want to know what life was in the late 90s it was that singing that in the classroom until your teacher got angry at you the peak of our civilization mm. uh it really Ken, was is there a specific moment that really sticks with you in that movie oh god um the dance scene which mm, like i'm not so a dancer. good i'm not a dancer but like i think about learning that dance I want to buy mm. like the $50 collectible doll they have of her in that outfit. I, every time I scroll through my TikTok for you page and it shows up, I, you know, I'm going to sit down and watch it. Um, that has been, been like, I think like the, the scene has been like in like repeat on my head for the whole time. Um, in terms of like the sort of the, I think the more, um, I guess like profound, like weighty thematic moments, like a lot of that last like 30 minutes of that movie is again, like in as much of a, in as deep as, Bar- the Barbie movie can handle it. like it, you know, talking about how like there are these systemic failings that are affecting everybody, and I think you know a lot of people that have like no media literacy are coming like, oh, this, this movie hates men. And I was like, how do you like the movie is so sympathetic mm-hmm. to them in the midst of like how this these systems that we have mm-hmm. in place have affected everybody and how they are not doing right by anybody. Um, so when Ken mm-hmm. yells, "You failed me!" Mm-hmm. Oh, Ken, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Movie. Maybe we'll go see that after this. After this, I can get it for free. At Alamo I, need, I still need to see it. I think I might try and get into a, a showing tomorrow. But like, mm. it's it it quickly rose up my to watch list when I realized like you know there there were signs, but clearly it's not just uh, a movie for the bit, but it has like mm. something it's going to try and do with the bit at the same yeah. time. It seems like it's it did its, it's best. Neat. Yeah, I um, a lot of my friends are kind of eh, whatever about it like they focus in on the fact that it is necessarily commodified it's made by a toy Mm. company etc but all i know is that the moment that she says it's impossible to be a woman i started crying and i basically Mm. didn't stop Mm. for like the rest of the movie because i work in an extremely gendered pressure cooker of a games industry Mm And I'm constantly reminded of how impossible it is to be a woman in this world. And it's mm. been, if anything, worse than ever. So it was a yeah, very sure. healthy and much needed vent mm-hmm. for me. So very I, I came out of it feeling a little cleansed, I think. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie is excellent. And I really want to mm-hmm. get that doll. <laughs> very powerful, like, split form for her. Just like. You know, I'm sure there's like prosthetics, but like still, just like the 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 visual bit of her constantly being like in the splits is very good. 
Mm. Yes, it's really it's really well done. Good, go see Barbie. It's good. Um, Nadia, how about you? Uh, well, I guess I should give a shout out to to FanFest and all of the the um, mm. people who visited. Yeah, you were hanging the out plug. in Las Vegas all last weekend. Yeah, I was in Vegas for FanFest, and it was a really fantastic time. That's where I got heat exhaustion. That was fantastic as well. Um, but we had uh, a lot of the people from Charlene Dropouts. We had a little bit of a meetup going on, and it was great. Like we had an amazing time. We you know told jokes. We had, took a few pictures. I got a picture with Yoshi P, which was hilarious. Like, yeah, I saw was, that. Yeah, basically that wasn't supposed so to happen. So now you're like collecting these developers. You got one with Yoshi P. You've got uh, one with uh, with the Dragon uh, Hori, Quest developer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Yuji a Hori, great. Yeah, that's a great picture because I'm wearing the Derp Fox shirt from Ola from Oglaf, which is one of the greatest <laughs> shirts of all time. But uh, yeah, we had a fantastic get together and a shout out and thanks to Square Enix for sending me in the first place and. Uh, we will have so much to go over. We already have gone over some of it at Charlene Dropouts. Um, one thing I'm actually surprised we didn't mention here was that uh, Final Fantasy XIV is coming to Xbox, and that's a that's pretty oh, big. Yeah, we we talked about that on the the pod last week, I think. Me. Okay, previous week. Well, yeah, 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 we talked about it during during Dropouts, but it is yeah. like that. That was I, I I said on the Dropouts pod that that's like a big moment for not just ff14 that's been in the works for ages but phil spencer coming out and being like yeah we want to work more closely with the final fantasy team and and square enix's new head coming out and being like yeah we're we're really happy to work with you phil like that that felt like an e3-esque moment mm. that i was i guess yeah. surprised happened on this stage but i guess it was i going was not, to happen on the stage but nobody yeah where else is it gonna happen i guess at this point yeah. but that we were all like kind of texting in the chat like you know i think phil's high is him all high he looks like he doesn't even know what's going <laughs> I, on why I am i shaking saying, this man's hand i kept saying no phil you can't buy square enix yet you haven't even <laughs> finished your activision <laughs> oh can you buy your square activision if you don't how can you buy your square enix if you don't finish your activision you <laughs> We Stop have an Activision money. at home. You yeah. can't have a story God. <laughs> Cut to that bizarre news story this week of Activision lost and then apparently didn't lose the the hard drives for the Transformers games. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. They were we like we have not lost them. They end up in medieval we're not, times. We're not showing you them, but we know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> this is me trying to bluff my way through not having my homework when I was a kid. Yeah, but yeah. Massive shout outs to the, the community. Oh, and I saw the um, uh, the Final Fantasy fourteen Symphony. Freaking incredible! Mm, I can't even. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm. I, I can't even say how how much I literally had to stop myself from sobbing out loud when they did "Tomorrow and Tomorrow" live, which is the end song, kind of the the song for um, Shadowbringers. And mm. that wraps everything up and it kind of mm-hmm. shows what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> also, of course, the um, primals were freaking amazing. Um, yep, yep. Heard Scream with Koji Fox as the vocals. And that shit better be out on iTunes tomorrow or I am flipping mm. all the tables I can find. Just incredible. Uh, dedicated to Moonlight didn't really work as well as I hoped it would, but of course everything else was incredible. Like Koji Fox just comes running out there and starts immediately with Locus, you know, seeking the peace of reason. Sheep. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh, and the piano concert on the first day, just incredible. Like it's like sitting there listening to the game itself. Mm, and mm-hmm. 
there is no high like just being in a group of people all tuned into the exact same thing like that rush of oxytocin is just there's it's incredible i i had a fantastic time there were some issues with organization i think one thing that's important to remember now is that people uh well we can speak personally we were all gutted from a company that was all about organizing uh cons and stuff like that they're only now starting to hire people back and bringing old people back so yeah, conventions, I think, are going to take a little bit of a of time just to all straighten out. Of course, um, I'd rather go somewhere that isn't Las Vegas, but that's uh, mm. that's mm. my point of view. It sounds like that was the sentiment of a lot of people there, is that they hope it's not there again. He, he, I actually said, look, am I being a baby, a Canadian baby, or is this just way too hot? And people who are from like Arizona and Texas mm. and were like, no, this is this is stupid. This Las is incredible. Las Vegas in the middle of the summer is crazy. And not just the no. middle of the summer. It's a heat wave, a heat dome. Like it was just because later yeah. on it did, it broke. And it's like, okay, I can handle this. Obviously, you're not, I'm not going to go playing like racquetball or something, but I can handle this. This was like I, I was literally getting sick. Like and I was like I had walked a block and I was getting yeah. like nauseous and getting chills. I, I said, this isn't, I've never had this in my life before. Ugh. There was a, there were a couple of years where I went to EDC a couple, um, like 2015, 2016. And it was in the middle of the summer in Las Vegas. And it was literally a hundred degrees at night. Yep. And that's yep. just too much. And it's even hotter now. So. It's because, well, I'm also like, okay, I'll go out at night and get something done. All the heat goes up at night because it's, where's the green mm-hmm. in Las Vegas? What's green? We don't know that color except for money. We know that's just a desert. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a playland in the middle of the desert. It's, it's one of a kind. Eric, what's uh, what's up with you? Well, besides Baldur's Gate 3, uh, this is not just BG3 weekend. It's also EVO 2023 weekend. Yeah, bye-bye. Uh, so right now, actually, the Melty Blood Top 6 is on. So y'all should really um, be grateful that I am wow, here Melty instead Blood. of watching t- Melty Blood. Melty Blood's been good. Uh, I was watching it with a few folks, including friend of the show, Michael Hyam, on Discord last night. We were just, oh, the matches were so good. The matches were so good. Um yeah, so today is Melty Blood and KOF and Dragon Ball Fighters. I think that's all like the major top six. So let me get some beef out. They reduced it from top eight to top six. It just doesn't have the same ring anymore. Mm. Um, the top eight was so good. You had four in the four in the winner's bracket, four in the loser's bracket. It was that perfect combination. Um, so I was kind of bummed that they're only doing top sixes this year, but Today, uh, lots of really, really good matches between all the the top sixes they're playing out, as well as some of the the pools and 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 shortening down to the big top sixes that are tomorrow Sunday. Um, on Sunday, we get Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three, which is just going to be the best. I am so thrilled for this. This is fighting game legacy, fighting game history, being back on the Evo stage. I think a lot of what the fighting game community is about is is loving these legacy games and and still playing them and having people who get really into them and just evolve them in ways you've never seen I before. I love MVC3 so much because it has mm-hmm. Phoenix Wright and Zero. <laughs> Yeah, and and like it's got such cool team composition ideas. It's going to be a really interesting 
pool to watch because you have a lot of old heads who have been playing that game for years, but then maybe dropped and maybe moved on to the other things. Maybe they got team sponsorships. They got to play whatever's current. But you've got some new players who picked it up around like the pandemic who have brought a lot of life to this game. And so this tournament is going to be like this huge mix of new and old faces where you're going to see the legends of old clash with the the young guns. And it's going to be really yeah, yeah. As Teep says in the chat, shout outs to Tampa Never Sleeps for uh for helping the game uh stay relevant. There have been a lot of people out there who are just all about like playing the thing they want to play and find interesting, and and that is like the core of the FGC. And then also we have Strive Tekken, Street Fighter Six on Sunday. That's like three incredible games to watch back to back. So we're we're not gonna be uh hurting for good fighting game action and then on top of all that late last night um as i was playing more <laughs> Baldur's gate 3 i had on my other monitor uh red bull had an after party where they were showing off project l they had basically like the entire fgc that was out there coming through to an after party where they just had project l setups everywhere and and part of that was the fun of seeing all these old faces from the fgc i i fell asleep last night watching the mike ross k brad uh grudge match which is very interesting if you follow deep fgc lore um and that was that was like fgc lore that was great to watch uh for someone who knows the deep fgc lore um but i i think it showed that riot's got the right idea of how to put their new fighting game in front of people that they just held an after party where they put a bunch of setups out and some of them were hooked up to the stream and then just kept putting people on the couch to talk over them and it was very like let's hang out let's talk about this game let's let the game speak for itself in a way um and project l is looking real real good uh project l is gorgeous i'm not even that yeah. big of a league of legends fan and they just announced a uh, yasuo mm-hmm. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got big mitsurugi energy but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. awesome awesome i can't wait to play this game yeah, it's it's looking fantastic. And I I love Evo every year. I'm really bummed. I'm getting the FOMO that I'm not there right now. So I think that means that next year I'm gonna have to maybe uh go and do compete. Some studying. Yeah, no, uh look, Haim and I have been talking about maybe getting real deep into Undernight in Birth 2 when it comes out <laughs> and competing in that because Undernight's a really fun game to play. Uh and I find myself drifting more towards the anime fighters these days. So but I don't know. My Marissa was kind of kind of nasty. Y'all saw some of it on on the stream. I held my own a little bit. I took some games. So <laughs> Eric, uh, you made me buy P4 Arena Ultimax, and I actually played it a bunch on the plane on my Steam Deck. Pretty fun uh-huh. on Steam Deck. P- P4 Arena is low key a very very fun fighting game. Uh, Ken and I definitely played mm-hmm. a lot of matches of it back when it came out, and had a bit of a rivalry going as the. I'm going to just say I was the number one, but Ken was the number two. You know? Okay. Okay. I was taking okay. so many matches on y'all. Okay, chill out. Who's your main? Fuck you. Um, Misuru. Um, that's what, see, that's, that's the thing. He's like, oh, I play the most overpowered character in the game. So, you know. Oh, I, she's, but, but I was, I was beating you with Yukiko too. Uh, uh, you can beat up anyone. No, that, yeah, that was, was, no, that my, was like you, at least like a fairly like equal match. You want to go? You want to go? I'll, I'll boot it up. I yeah. I'll go. I'll go later. Fight me in Street Fighter. Oh, oh! So you're going to change the game now? You're like, oh, mm, that's moving. Mm, Ken destroyed me in Street Fighter. I have to point out. 
I gave uh, mm. I, I gave Eric more of a fight, but Ken kicked kicked the crap out of me with Ryu. It was quite impressive. Uh, I always so, lose to uh, Ryu. I'm I have not, not been playing much Street Fighter because of neither am I, and I miss it. Too busy, much. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to I need to get back into Street Fighter. Uh, you played me when I was still playing Guile. It doesn't count. Now I've now I played, I've got you, I played you against. I played against. No, no, Marissa. no. I was talking. I was talking to Cat. Oh, okay. No, you were Kat. playing the tall lady. Mm. Oh, was I playing the okay. lady? Okay, yeah. No, no, the, um, the box, the, the the lady with the Spartan helmet. What's her yes. name? Yeah, oh, Marissa, big lady. Yeah, yeah, Marissa. Um, but yeah, no, I I just I have that like spark in me again. I this is what I love about fighting games, and also like three of the four of us on this call are extremely competitive people. If you couldn't tell by the fact that we all just immediately were like, I'll go. Oh, you want to yeah. go? I'll go. It's like, you guys have fun. I'm taking a nap. Jesus. Even, even like the I... Pokemon, even the Pokemon showdown stuff, I was sitting there like, I got to beat cat. I got to, I got to build a team. I got to find a way. I got to beat cat. I can't let that go unanswered. So maybe some more gen three. OU or some gen four. OU is in our future on the blood God stream as well. Next time I'll challenge you in Gen Four OU and I'll beat you there right. too. All right, all right. Well, we'll put a pin in that. Well, okay. A year from now, I'm gonna enter that that hyperbolic training chamber. <laughs> is OU that means overused or what does the OU stand for? Overused. Overused. Yeah. Look, I, I am not as much of a Pokemon master of, as like the people who are going to be at the Pokemon World Championships uh, this coming week. I think it is. Mm. I'm so lapped. I don't care about the VGC rules. I have not been following Pokemon that closely since like Gen 7, mm-hmm. arguably. But in my day, I was a Pokemon master. And I don't want anybody to ever forget that. I'm not so. I'm putting my money on Cat. You kidding me, Eric? Like, I am not betting against her. Look, I just, I need to, it, it, there's something about it. I don't know what it is. I just have that like competitive drive where I always just want to like, Are okay, you Vegeta? One more. Are you okay, Vegeta or Goku? You want to be yeah, the best yeah, like no yeah. one ever was. I, it's not even that I want to be the best. best. I just enjoy competition. I enjoy like, because I, I, I get a lot of like personal growth out of it. I can like, when I feel myself improving and I start to like take those games and, and make those reads and stuff like that, I'm like, Oh, I'm like growing as a person right now. That's my, my Goku talking, I guess. I'll play people in Pokemon showdown. Like I'll play the community in Pokemon showdown sometime yeah. on the stream. If they want, that, that'd be that's fun. What I'm saying we, the blood God stream is now just going to be so blood God stream is here. trigger and Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Time now for the summer of Korra. We are in book four episodes uh, four, five, and six. Here's what's happening. The Earth Kingdom is trying to unite in in an expansionist mood. Everybody Mm -hmm. is being divided. Asami is out there somewhere hanging out with her dad, who's still in prison. Uh, Farrak is experimenting with uh, limitless energy that's getting turned into a super weapon. Mm -hmm. And uh, Korra is going through an existential crisis, hanging out with Toph, working through a lot of her trauma. And she mostly does that in these episodes, but then she just gets the uh, the floor wiped with her by the uh, the main villain of the piece. What's her name? Kuvira. Kuvira. Zelda, I'm calling her Zelda Williams. Um, yeah, yeah, Zelda Williams. Um, I I love that fight scene because you see how 
like confident Kuvira is. Like yeah. Kuvira just knows that she is one of the most powerful benders on the planet right now and is like willing to take the Avatar one on one, which is I, I love the Battle of Zafu. It's very, very good. But um shout outs to Varric just pulling an Oppenheimer, you know, yes. really just fit in the mood in, <laughs> at the right time. <laughs> uh Oppenheimer just came out and Varric's doing doing the same thing. So shout outs to that uh little bit of timing. But this this is the moment where we kind of go from okay, Cora's personal problems we're still working through them, but Cora is like getting back involved with the politics after all those years away. Uh, and I do, I like it. I kind of wish there was a little bit more time. This is maybe the one part where I wish that we had the time that uh, last airbender got to spend on some of these character arcs, because I feel like the Cora alone stuff is over very fast. We get like yeah. one episode of it and then it's gone. And I would have liked to see more of a grander, journey in in the way that like zuko had one uh after his leaving iroh and and going on his journey and trying to find himself during book two um i do but, like old cranky swamp creature toff i have to say oh, she's yeah. great that's the only oh. place she could end up <laughs> that's all why don't you tell, tell me about taking down the fire lord i don't know i was on a balloon it was hot <laughs> <laughs> it was neat <laughs> epic fight she's in dagobah basically yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's she's just not Yoda at now. all subtle. Yeah, not at all subtle. This uh, is actually Star my Wars husband's vibes. first exposure to Toph because he hasn't seen uh, Last Airbender yet. Really? So, oh yeah. wow. Yeah. So, so he got I like he the got little a goblin child being like bald, grumpy. You must be Toph. Or is it blind, grumpy? You must be Toph. Uh, hey, I like yeah. that kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. It's I, I. I think it's all really interesting. We're now at the part where uh, it, it's very clear what the the main threat and what the whole, you know, story antagonist vibe of this book is going to be. It's Kuvira and expansionism and uh, something that like got brought up in the discord this week. There's been a lot of really good spoiler talk in the discord this week uh, is the whole idea of pitting Republic city and Raikou as not like not good. Basically Uh, there in, in episode three, we see that, Raiko basically wants to install Prince Wu not because he's capable or or can lead the Earth um, Kingdom, but because he can control Prince Wu and yeah. Republic City wants to exert more control over very much insert their own political leader for their own gain, which, hey, <laughs> wonder if there's real world allegories for that. Um, and then meanwhile, we have Kuvira who just wants to unite it all under an iron fist, an iron rule and um you know, sees her way as the only way. And I, I like book four because it gets very messy. There is no overt right or wrong. There's kind of just bad cases on all sides. And Cora is trying to navigate that to make something that might not destroy the world in the process. And I did yeah. that a lot. I don't want to open a giant can of worms, but it's interesting that the show gets way more into uh, politics. It yes. Has a- classically liberal bent in the way that it um, approaches things because there's a point where Toph and Korra are explicitly talking about the villains the last few uh, seasons and could apply to Kuvira as well Mm -hmm. where they're saying basically oh and you know they have some interesting ideas like uh, the villain from the last season he he liked freedom and the other guy you know he released the spirits but they were extremists 
and mm. we don't like extreme extremism in these parts and that seems to be like a, a underlying thread through uh, mm. throughout the series is that this uh, the series is very anti-extremism i suppose uh, hewing much more to the center i in some ways i do feel like it's cora rubbing up against the idea of like that sort of slow uh, gradual action versus direct actionable action mm-hmm. direct um, action yeah 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 uh like like cora wants to have a very i don't know west wing style like we can change <laughs> through hearts and minds and and meanwhile uh zahir is like we can change by doing redacted <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and revolution my favorite I, part of the revolution was um one of the guards going, I'm not going to stop you. I'm gonna, I know where the good stuff is. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think the one thing, I'm not going to give them like overt credit for this. Um, I don't know if this was planned or not, but I do like that the series maybe does try to have antagonists and protagonists, but does not explicitly paint things as too evil. Like even when Zaheer fails, Zaheer is still someone who probably ultimately did something for the betterment of the earth kingdom um his actions while they caused chaos in the short term did manage to destabilize a government that was actively destroying the earth kingdom and the lives of the people living in it and Korra is like now having to reckon with that and even reckon with the fact that by letting this happen the way she did and by taking her own in action she allowed someone like kuvira to come into power well so here uh toppled the the monarchy which is fine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he wanted what autonomous collectives anarchy just let people live however they want which is Mm -hmm. a goal but (laughs) the ultimately what we got was a military dictatorship (laughs) There's a power vacuum. With re-education yeah. camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I don't know if it's quite an allegory for what happened to Russia in the 1920s, but um, I don't know if the show has anything in particular to say. It just sort of no. goes, well, that's interesting. I I think it goes more places as Last Airbender also did with um, some of the external media. I've heard that some of the stuff that happens in the Korra comics, which take place after book four um are supposed to be pretty good and and worth looking into i've been meaning to to read some of those myself um and i i'm curious because they also mild spoilers they bring zahir back as a character in those those comics and also some other characters he's not dead he was taken prisoner. yeah he was he was taken prisoner yeah so just the idea that like cora maybe does actually have to go back and kind of ration with what zahir was was trying to do and maybe consider what her own role in all of that is that's what I like about Korra. It, it is so messy, but it cares so much more about what does the Avatar mean in the world? What, you know, is there room for an interventionary force that is this, like, Korra is almost, not not really, but uh, like, like Korra just swoops in and tries to fix everything. And should there be one person who can swoop in and try to fix everything the way that Aang always tried to do and failed? And I think it, it tackles that more head on. Oh, that reminds and- me, the, the part with the shop where he shows one the picture of Aang, like yes. that, that destroyed me. I was on the floor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was even better because like, again, doing, my, husband, little- <laughs> yeah, the, my husband, again, is like, you know, 
doesn't really know a lot about Aang, except he's seen like Aang as a serious like kind of mentor here and there, and that he shows up in Korra. But like, it's like, why is is, is that what Aang's really like? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I do like yeah. exploring the the Avatar's place in a changing world. That's yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I think um, I will wait until the end of the series to really make a judgment one way or another on where that ends up landing. Ken, I forget, are you a big Avatar slash Korra fan? Uh, I watched the first one or the first series uh, like kind of on and off as a kid because my brother was like very into it and I just kind of like observed it. I feel like a lot of my Korra uh, education has come from the times I've been on the show and heard y'all talk about mm. it. So I'm kind of learning that. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that now. Well. This isn't your first rodeo. Not gay enough. Mm, <laughs> gay, like, mm. At the very end, they turn it around. But don't yeah, don't I'm worry. Waiting. We still she we have witch for Mercury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah witch for Mercury. Wait, we need to talk. Can we momentarily take a brief moment to talk about all the stuff that's been happening with Bandai Namco and the witch for Mercury? Or should we save that for the post show? Let's do that post show. Let's post show. Uh, that. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah, some nonsense yeah. happening. This this main show is already getting pretty long, but in the post show, I want to talk about the Witch for Mercury stuff. I haven't finished watching the show, so I can't make a judgment, but I did see a couple of headlines. Yeah. Um, all right, that's it for our discussion of this segment of Summer of Korra. We're, we're getting pretty close, and then we'll do a big old wrap-up show when we're all done. Okay, Nadia, take us home. So we were talking a moment ago about like conventions and you know stuff like that, and I was just thinking about the first. And we were talking about New York as well in the in the in the pre-show, and they, these all go together. Um, my first major convention was probably I think it was Otakon in two thousand five. Now attending a convention in two thousand five, even getting there is very different from attending a convention in the here and the now. Mainly, um, we were driving from Toronto to uh, Baltimore. And back then, there was really nothing in the way of GPS. You've had MapQuest to, to, to fuck you up, which happened to me and my husband once. Like, it turned us onto a busy Toronto street at 5 p.m. on a Friday when it wasn't supposed to. But yeah, we had MapQuest. We print out the directions. And of course, like on our way to uh, Baltimore, we got lost somewhere in New York. And this is what I was saying earlier about how um, New Yorkers are, they're, they're kind of abrasive they won't take your bullshit, but at the same time, they're very nice in their own angry Oscar the Grouch way. And this is what happened. We got hopelessly turned around. There was some like gas station in the middle of Yemisfelt. There's just nothing around. So we stopped there for directions. And there's two guys, two New Yorkers, very New York people in the uh, the gas station. And my husband says, you know, hey, can you help us? Here's our map, blah, blah, blah. And of course, the guy is just the most stereotypical New York action that you can picture. Oh, yeah, you just go there and, da, 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 and he's you know being very helpful. And then someone else comes in beside him and says, no, you go. Da, 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 da. He's like, hey, I'm giving directions here. Like he literally <laughs> said that. And I kind of had to just go outside and have a moment to myself. with, Hey, hey, I'm giving directions. Here. <laughs> also, um, on the way back, we got lost again because these are this is in the mountains. And um, I got car sick which sucked. And that's what I learned that you guys don't have, you don't call it gravel. You call it Dramamine, right? Like when you get nauseous and you, you take something for the nausea. Wait, what? You call it what? Gravel. G-R-O-V. How do you spell it? But yeah, gravel. Gravel? gravel? Not quite. 
no gravel a g-r-a-v-e-l it's that's the stuff like, you like little rocks that's on the that's rocks yeah no it has an o instead of the e it's just the brand gravel. name that's gravel gravel g g r o g-r-o-v-o-l gravel gravel Gravel, gravel. <laughs> no, no, gravel is something different. Gravel is something different. I know, it, I'm not saying I swallow rocks like a goose when I had car stinkness. I'm saying that's the name of the brand. That's what we call Dramamine for some reason. So I'm going to like this this um, gas station again. God bless the gas stations on the interstate and saying, please help me. I'm, I need gravel. And like, oh, honey, I don't know what you're talking about. And yeah, that's I said I'm, I'm nauseous. We I don't know sick. what you're oh. talking about. <laughs> it's just the name. It's just what we call it for some. See, someone put it. Teeth put it in the chat. Gravel. 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 What is gravel. wrong with people? Why are you pronouncing it? <laughs> because, because gravel is the is the rocks, and then gravel is when you are like making yourself things. low. No, like, it doesn't. Begging through something. It's not gravel unless you're groveling. To on the toilet but because you're pre- your, it's not working but you're pronouncing it like gravel like the rocks so this gravel, this gravel. person at the gas station was like you want gravel <laughs> it's out back you just go it's free go get some <laughs> <laughs> you should probably go to the doctor afterwards though hey it's your old pal from the edit bay victor and fellow canadian nadia's right we ha- it's just called gravel it's it's a thing we have here. We know it's not gravel, and it's not groveling. We know what rocks are. This isn't rocks. This is a thing. It is a medicine. Whatever. Bye. Uh, so, yeah, that was um, Road Trips in 2005. And don't, don't forget, we did not have Spotify. We had to burn CDs full of music. Mm. And dear God, what, did I, what would I have been playing in 2005? Probably out of Billy Talent. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, we had a CD changer, and that was the height of technology. So mm. there you go. Whoa. There was my prehistoric con uh, story with uh, New Yorkers and gravel. And that's it for this week's episode of Axel Bugod. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Ken for hanging out with us, talking about Barbie and Baldur's Gate 3. There will be lots more conversation about that, where it came from. I've been your host, Kat Bailey. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Catpot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMoosey. You can support us on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can get the show ad-free. You can join our Discord, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. Also, we have a lot of merch over at shop.bloodgodpod.com, including a really dope pride mug, uh, pride-themed shirts. And we're also selling the year two pin over the course of the next week. Limited time offer. Orders end August 14th, and then after that, we're probably never doing another run. So get that pin while you can. Shop.bloodgodpod.com. And hey, if you join the Stars of Destiny tier on the Patreon, you get it for free. How about that? All right. That's it for this episode. We're heading over into the Axe of the Blood God post-show to hang out with the Stars of Destiny. But in the meantime, for Nadia, Eric, Ken, and myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring.
compliments to the chef. 